Okay, welcome to Chili's. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks podcast on the Athletic Network. Friday, February 21st. I'm Jay Skeets. Alongside me, as always, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery. Taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm, really with a deep V there. A lot of chest hair. <laughs> That's a bacon neck, Skeets. That's a bacon neck. Oh, That's not a V. Bacon. It's so bacony, it was a deep V to me. And uh, last but not least, making the magic happen is JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. It is the Drop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Dunks Inc. You know we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash No Dunks Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. And don't forget to email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. We dropped a new Beach Steppin' podcast yesterday, Thursday afternoon, so make sure you go download that bad boy, listen to that one. Topics included Steve Nash's all-time point guard rank, post-All-Star game matchups we're excited for, Dutch basketball players, where are they? <laughs> we're tall people! Where are my beanders at? Uh, watch, watching movies on an airplane, yeah. so much more. What? I haven't had any aircraft engineers tweet in yet and tell us about the alignment of no. those seats. So. <laughs> Honestly, what's going on with this shirt, man? This is crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just a shirt, man. It's, it's like disintegrating before my very eyes. <laughs> it looks like a sleep shirt. It's that same. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of is, yeah. It sort of is. Just rolled out of bed? But yeah. you love, you love getting into the shower before dropping off the kids oh yeah of course yeah it's just an old shirt yeah it's just an old shirt this uh, shirt that's been worn it was a little chilly here in atlanta last night i didn't wear it to bed last night but i could have i'll probably wear it to bed tonight <laughs> okay <laughs> it's just a t-shirt what do you mean it's a little chilly oh because you're, you're doubled up yeah oh okay all right, we uh, we got worst of the week. We'll fire the pun gun. We, of course, have rapid fire fun. Uh, we got tweet of the night as well. But I wanted to start here. Um, before we get to some of last night's games and, and some of the storylines, I've got some big questions for you because uh, we are now uh, hitting the, the stretch run uh, with the NBA season being after the All-Star break. So I want to know, guys, what is the most intriguing post all-star storyline that you've got your eyes on that you'll be watching uh, intently as we you know hit the final 25 games or so before the playoffs let's start at the top because the bucks deserve it even if people think they're boring and they've got the the modern day Shaq who gets into the lane and just throws it out and they just hit shots they're going for 70 wins it's only been done twice in nba history so let's give them a little respect even though the media doesn't and nobody really cares that they're on pace for what the Warriors did and what the Bulls did back in the 90s. And they got a legitimate shot. Their best player doesn't play a lot of minutes at 31. Yanis Tetacumpo only at 31. So compare that to the Warriors. Steph at 34. Clay had 33 back in those days. And I bring that up because you saw what happened to the Warriors in the finals. And so you'd think well, maybe guys don't want to exert themselves and try and go for 70 wins but I think the Bucks have a legitimate shot because even if Giannis sits they're still good without him they're yeah. five and one when they sit they've got an incredible focus as you saw first game out of the all-star break they destroy the Pistons in the first half putting 70 up they're just they're relentless I don't think they get there just because it's extremely hard to do sitting at you know 47 and eight right now they have to go 25 and four the rest of the way it's attainable for them because they're that good. Um, but, no, I didn't do the math right. 23 no. and 4 yeah. the rest of the way. 
it's when you say it like that, it's definitely attainable. But I don't know. I don't know. It's just hard. It's that's just actually, hard to do. That's what I've got for my storyline as well, is will they actually go for 70 wins? Because like you're saying, Tass, people automatically bring up the Warriors and say, oof, I don't know if they want to go for it. But the Warriors went to Game 7 of the NBA Finals and last lost in the final minute. They also probably would have won the championship if Draymond Green doesn't get suspended. So did it not work or did it actually work? They won 73 games and came so close to winning a championship. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, reasoning... I think it worked. Really, yeah. They, they say after... It was all said and done that Steph wasn't 100%, and maybe the regular season had something to do with it. You're right. It could have. It's all how you look at it, but they weren't 100%. The Draymond Green suspension, the Bogut injury as well, they were factors into it, and they were still only one shot away from going all. But anyway, uh, as far as the Bucs' schedule goes, they've got 17 games remaining against teams that are in the playoff race. So it's not an easy schedule for them either, even though they're clearly According the to Tankathon, team. it's the fourth hardest schedule remaining in the league. They're on pace right now for 71.5. I think it'll probably come down to the last couple of games, whether they, they decide to play out the games or just say, Giannis, I mean, you've only been playing 30 minutes a game all season. Just take this last yeah. week off and get ready for the playoffs, yeah. which certainly could happen, but... I don't know. Once you get to 68, 69, you're thinking, I could be one of three teams ever to do this? That's pretty impressive. It, it's unbelievable. But that's the difference here, like, to the Warriors chasing the Bulls, the 72 and 10 Bulls. Like, they they were like, let's beat that record. Like, let's actually eclipse that. That is not happening. I'm sorry here with the Bucks. You know, that's just – that's not happening. The 70, yeah, attainable. But it's like – it's not as it's not as amazing, I would say, to beat – I mean, it's not 73, but – 70 is amazing. <laughs> yeah, but this is a team that also hasn't won the title, haven't even gotten to the finals. I mean, I hope in a weird way they do play sort of the, the, the bigger picture, even just for this season, than hitting what is an incredible mark. But I'm not going to be like, whoa, that team, was, that team was horrible. They only won 68, 69 games. Nice. In fact, I think it would be more nice uh, than <laughs> 70. So, like, I don't know. But they've talked about it, too. We've heard their owners say that's a, that's a goal, 70 wins is on you know they've circled that as a potential goal so maybe they will shoot for it and if Giannis is playing then they're gonna just try and crush teams I mean that guy has there is no switch with him in terms of like toning it down or a mm. dimmer or something like that so maybe it happens it's gonna be fun to watch regardless you just pray that somebody doesn't like even a Chris Middleton or a Bledsoe gets hurt in a quote-unquote meaningless game when they've wrapped up the the number one seed in the east or overall in the league uh with like three or four to go that's all you hope it doesn't happen I suppose. Uh, that just, I don't know. Do, do regular season games just not matter to literally anyone anymore? It doesn't matter. Because in the big picture, the big picture would be looking at every NBA team that has ever played games, and there are three that win 70. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Well, they matter That's to super Giannis. super They definitely matter to Giannis Tetkumpo and the team, the way they come out and kick the snot out of teams every game. They care to win every regular season game. So that's, that, that's why it's legitimate that they could get there, because they – well, they, they, they love there. it. Yeah, even if Giannis sits, it's still very much in yeah, play. It's, 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 well, yeah, it's top uh, from the top down. Yeah, from Giannis all the way down. They've they come out and they play real hard every single night. I don't like that John Horst, the GM, as you mentioned, Skeets came out and said, "Hey, we're going for seventy. Hey, we're also uh, trying to um, we're going to resign Giannis no matter what. What are we idiots?" got fined for tampering i just wanted to get a, a john straight from the john horse's mouth pun in right. there didn't work out but anyway 
Moving on. <laughs> okay, so with the quest for 70 with the Bucks, that's what Tass has his eye on. Storyline, what do you got? Sticking in the Eastern Conference, a team that really their playoff success could determine so many factors for this team going forward. That's the Philadelphia 76ers. Had a good win at home last night. But right now, where they sit, only fifth in the Eastern Conference. They have the best record, home record in the NBA at 26-2, and two, but might not count for too much if they don't have home court advantage come playoff time. And the reason I say that, you know, this this has so many implications because their coach might not be around if they flame out in the playoffs. And perhaps it's possible they even trade one of their big-name players in Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid if they also go out in the first round of the playoffs. At times this season, they've looked fantastic. They've looked dominant. And at other times, they've looked like a, just a complete mess. And the Al Horford signing hasn't really worked out. He's coming off the bench now. And, and I mean, he was their only you know, kind of bad player in the game last night. Um, so the Sixers, I think their ceiling is very high, but I also think their bottom is is very low. And, um, you know, they're one of those teams that coming into this season, we thought perhaps Embiid's an MVP candidate and perhaps they are the best or second best team in the Eastern Conference. And they still could get there. I mean, Embiid won't win MVP, but the, the Sixers could still make it to the conference finals, but they could also quite easily be one of those teams that like things just go fall apart for them in the playoffs early on and they're out and then they make wholesale changes yeah. next season so uh it's it's uh it, it's quite a swing i think with philadelphia of where they can be I, I think anything less than the conference finals will be considered a failure from them this season to the point of firing coach brown i, I think so yeah the possibility of yep. moving either a simmons or Embiid. i mean they didn't they didn't get out of the second round last season of course we know what happened with the raptors there with the Kawhi leonard shot so they went close but i feel that they really have to at least get to the conference finals uh, with this current team or else there could be some big changes going forward with that team. So that's, uh, that's an interesting story. There's I don't think both would happen at the same time, though. I think Brown would be fired and they would give the reins to another coach to see if that new coach could make it work with their two stars. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then maybe if, that, if someone, the next person can't figure it out, then maybe you have to move on from one of them. But People just want to split these guys up, man. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous to me that they have a better winning percentage right now than they did last year. And everybody's solution for how can we fix the Sixers, a team that's going to win 50 games, is to split up their two best players. The way you get better is not by trading one of your two Hall of Fame potential guys. That just does not make sense. they got to do every single thing possible, including if it comes to it firing Brett Brown before they even consider moving Simmons or Embiid. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are incredible players. We saw last night Simmons was the guy who was going to get traded in the offseason because this is going to be Embiid's team. But we saw last night that you need Simmons' shot creation. But Joel Embiid can still carry your team. You need both of them. You can build around them. You're going to win 50 games for the third season in a row. With these guys actually being on the court, your team is a 50-win team. Tinker with literally anything else right. besides trading either one of these guys. It's, it's asinine to consider it, honestly. But they're going to consider it at some point when they win 50 games. If, if they get bounced from the playoffs because they aren't they don't play their capabilities. You know, you don't get be the best Joel on one night. You don't get the best Ben on, on the other night. It seems like there's two teams. There's like the best team, the team being led by Ben Simmons, and then there's the team being led by Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid looks like a different player when Ben Simmons isn't out there. You see him rallying up the crowd. He feels like he should be a number one. Ben Simmons feels like he should be a number one. Maybe they're both Leos. Maybe that's the way they operate, <laughs> just like Skeets and I. You know, you got to – those true. two have to roar independently, and it's, it's – it's it's an interesting conundrum. I, they they have two different teams, as I mentioned with Joel and Ben Simmons, and also their home and road team. And I and I think that's it's an indicator. It's it's totally exhibited on the road when they go out and they're nine and nineteen on the road and twenty six and two at home. They're just not a cohesive bunch. 
and that I think that just proves itself on the road. So yeah, of course you you fire Brett Brown before you fire a, or before you trade, I should say, one of these Hall of Fame type players. But you're not going to trade Josh Richardson. You're not going to get a lot of value back. You're not going to trade Tobias Harris. You're not going to get a lot of value back. You're not going to get trade Al Horford. Once this thing doesn't work out, yeah, I think one of them will be dealt. I say once it it doesn't get worked out. I would still say. They have the best shot of anybody to knock off the Bucks, which is right. which is a little bonkers. Sorry, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, but um, it feels that way. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they can for their sake, but it, it doesn't. It, they don't seem like a cohesive bunch to me. All this butt slapping at All Star Weekend with Ben Simmons <laughs> and Joel Embiid. Sure, they're buds and they're trying to make it work, but I don't know. It's tough. It's just tough to to win. You're you're right about fifty wins, Trey, but it's tough to win a ship. Uh, as of right now, here on the Friday. They're in the fifth spot in the East too, so they would be they would be playing every series on the road yeah. where they have not played well, as we've talked about. But they're only five and a half games back from the second seed. I mean, nobody's catching Milwaukee. That's a done deal. But you go on the right run here, and you could catch a Raptors or a Celtics or something like that. It's not out of the realm of possibility, and definitely leaping the Heat. And maybe even one of those teams, be it a Raps or a Celtics, who knows if an injury uh, you know takes them down. Yeah, I, mean, I think that, it's in play, yeah. and there's no doubt they need to make that one of probably their goals if they want to go deep in the playoffs to try and have home court advantage for as many series as you can by getting a higher seat. At worst, they have to have home court in that first in round first against round. Miami. I yeah. mean, Miami's the second best team at home this season. Right. So the that, Heat or the Sixers, they're not that great on the road either. No, no. But It'd be uh, an interesting series. But but yeah, but that that would be very very important for them to. To have it at least in that first round minimum. Who do you got, Trey? What storyline? I mean, mine was honestly the Bucks and yeah. the Sixers. Those oh, are the two teams that I'm watching right now because it feels like every single award race is sewn up. The number one seed in the Eastern Conference, sewn up. Number one seed in the Western Conference, most likely sewn up. So that's why I'm actually rooting for the Bucks to go for 70 wins because what else is happening during the <laughs> last 25 games of this season? The well, chase for the eighth seed? Yeah, I was going to say I'm interested in the Western Conference chase for the eighth seed. I couldn't care less about the uh, Eastern Conference, whoever the hell makes it in. But, well, actually, I take that back. I'm excited to see uh, who wins this nice little Twitter beef battle we got going on between Tass and uh, John Schumann <laughs> and whether or not the Wizards can rally and get in there and maybe take down the Nets or the Magic. Schumann says, no, wait, look at the schedule. I've, I've crunched the numbers. It's impossible. <laughs> Tess says, come on, don't count them out. Anyway, I'm sort of watching that. But the Western Conference uh, storyline that I am intrigued about is at the bottom. You're right. It's can the can the uh, young, what do we call them? The rise and grind Grizzlies. Rise and grind Grizzlies. Can the young rise and grind Grizzlies hang on to that eighth seed? Because you still got the Blazers in the mix, You still, despite injuries to Lillard. You still got the Spurs in the, in the mix, despite having a very weird down Spurs season. The Pelicans uh, have the easiest schedule remaining in the league. With Zion Williamson, can they go on their run? Five games back right now. Right, right. So it, look, you know, it, seems, it, it looks at first glance like a little too much. But, but maybe it could happen. We've seen crazier things happen. But I would like, I'd personally actually like to see the Grizzlies hang on. Now they have... And this is Shu. Shout out to him breaking it down. They have the league's toughest schedule going forward. The young Grizzlies do both in regard to opponent strength and the amount of road games that they've coming up. Like 15 of their final 27 games now are on the road, and some of these games are against these teams chasing them. Like massive games: two versus Portland, another one versus San Antonio, and then two more versus the Pelicans. All huge games uh, for what could be one of those teams trying to catch them. I don't think we can really go wrong if it's if it's the Grizzlies or the Pelicans. You know, you got 
two of the young stars in the league in Ja Morant and then Zion in the in the playoffs, all these other young guys around them. Like, that would be fun. Even if they got waxed in the first round versus the Lakers, it'd still be fun to see them get a chance uh, on the big stage. But that's what I'll be watching. Can those, like, those vet teams that are sort of always in the playoffs in the Blazers and the Spurs, can they just catch them? Because the Grizzlies are going to start, these in a weird way, they're going to start, these are playoff games. Mm-hmm. Like, these important games, especially those ones I pointed out, the ones where they have to play the teams that are chasing them. Those are those are pressure-packed games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they dropped one last night in Sacramento. Every one of these counts because uh, we're getting to that point of the season, which makes it exciting where it's like you're watching the schedule pretty intently going, ooh, ooh, they just lost a game here tonight. So they've I'll be been, watching that. They've been punching above their weight all season, really. So, you know, can they keep it up now when the pressure is on it? Yeah. I, I sort of think they can. I mean, You be, think they hold on? Simply because... But a part of that is because of these other teams. Exactly, because Lillard, Lillard could be out. We're not sure exactly yeah. how long, but, um, you know, that obviously takes away from the Blazers' chances. The Spurs, this I, I've said, I don't think they're going to make it this year, and I'm going to hold to that. I think the Spurs are done. 22 it's, consecutive playoff appearances. Yeah, I, I really think, even though they're five games back, I think the Pelicans, if they're healthy pose the biggest threat to mm. the Grizzlies because their season started off so badly, uh, but they really have turned it around, particularly since Zion has come back. So I think they could be uh, the threat, but the Grizzlies have, have, have shown enough through, through 50-odd games this season that I think they will hold on. The I best think- thing that could happen for the race for the eighth seed would be for the Grizzlies to have a terrible week this week. They've got the Lakers, Clippers, and Rockets all on the road. If they lose yep. those three games... We got a serious race here because they're, what, three and a half games up right now on the Blazers. That's kind of a big bite to take, especially with Lillard out for however long he's going to be out. So if you're rooting for something exciting, yeah. you want the Grizzlies to lose three games this week. Yeah, you might be right. So we so we have these uh, every, every night or every second night. We have sort of like a must-watch games in terms of playoff positioning. Uh, what about... Uh, an interesting team. I mean, we've thrown a lot of these out. Bucks for chasing 70s, Sixers because they're Jekyll and Hyde, um, you know, the Grizzlies trying to hang on. Are there any other interesting teams here in the second half? Maybe it's not even a team that's in a playoff race, maybe for another reason. Who would you pick? I'm trying to see if I can talk myself into the Celtics being a contender for the championship because they're top five, top five, top five. Mm. Top five on offense, top five on defense, top five in margin of victory. That's a pretty good start. Good team. Exactly right. They've got two all-stars. They've got a great coach. They've got multiple guys who can, at the very least, get a shot or create a shot for another player. Tatum can usually get his own shot. Maybe he'll make a play for somebody else. Doesn't happen a ton. Gordon Hayward's a good passer. Kemba Walker does it all. Marcus Mark can make plays for others. They've got options. Uh, so the question is... Is the sum of the parts better than having just that one huge superstar? As we've seen with uh, Kyrie Irving last year when he just kind of tried to take over against the Bucs, that didn't work out. But sometimes you need a guy who's going to try to take over. But any other team that has the profile that the Celtics have, you would consider them a title contender. But I don't think they're there yet. Maybe they can have a nice little 8-10 game winning streak or something during this last uh, third of the season that kind of ups their profile. So they're close to convincing you. Yeah, but I don't want to give the Beantown boys any love. That's the other part. That's the tough thing. Chiefs will come over, throw a million hats on my head. (laughs) Not lucky. Okay. Not lucky. What about you guys? Well, there's a nice little race as well between the fourth and fifth seed in the Western Conference right now. These two teams have met the last two years in the playoffs. It's the Jazz and the Rockets. And the Jazz right now held a a game-and-a-half lead over Houston. be interesting if they were to match up again in the playoffs. Obviously, Russell Westbrook now on the Rockets. Uh, you know, he's had some battles with the Jazz, and of course, the Jazz and the Rockets have battled against James Harden in the past. And Russell Westbrook has turned his season around in the last month or so, six weeks. He's been incredible, and he's changed the way 
I think the outlook for the Houston Rockets, I, I said early in the season, I don't think they're a contender and I still don't really think they're a contender, but I think they can cause some trouble between, but apart from the Lakers and the Clippers, even the Clippers, you know, on the right day, the Rockets could cause some problems there. But I think the Nuggets and the Jazz could be in trouble if they face against the Rockets with Westbrook playing the way he has been playing mm. lately. So uh, it's an interesting situation because the Rockets went all in. They poured all their money into Westbrook and Harden. Didn't start off all that well. But now they do seem to have found something that's working. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Russell Westbrook is, has, has adjusted his game. Yeah. And it's working. And so of course, the small ball, super small ball yeah, experiment. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. It's a, it's a fun experiment for sure there in Houston. So, you know, if, uh, if they were to meet the Jazz again, three straight seasons, that, that would be a very, very spicy first-round matchup. I'm watching the Lakers more so uh, on a, uh, a smaller front. And I just, I mean by that, I mean uh, the bench. What's going on with the Lakers' backcourt? Is Rajon Rondo going to play a lot? Is Alex Caruso going to play a lot? And just how they tinker with that, because that's what I think they're worried about the most. And I think that's what LeBron is uh, is probably going to uh, focus on, trying to make sure that they've got an extra part, an extra guard to help him out when it comes to the postseason. Because I'm not sure what their finishing lineup is, and I, I don't know if Frank Vogel does either. It would probably be game to game right now with LeBron, AD, and Danny Green being your three mainstays. And then you go big with Dwight possibly at the center, JaVale McGee at the center, or do you have Avery Bradley come in, or Rondo and Caruso. I think Caruso would probably be closest to a mainstay of all those guys. But uh, that's what I'm looking at. And how hard LeBron goes probably the rest of this season as well. Mm. Is he chilling just to make sure he's got all that gas in the postseason because he – that's a lot of gas he's going to need. He's going to need to be on full at April 13th and then on June 13th, if that's the plan, to get to the finals. And the Clippers, I mean, we've talked about it before, they've defeated the Lakers twice in the first half of the season. And, yeah, the Lakers are up pretty big uh, with that number one seed in the win-loss column. But it's not. It's doable with the Clippers, especially being third. And they play two more games against them. One's going to be on March 8th. And then we still have the makeup date game. Uh, mm-hmm. th- they postponed with the, with the Kobe tragedy. So a lot of people think that'll be right at the end of the season. Um, around April 10th, a lot of people are uh, uh, thinking it could be just because of the schedules and stuff like that. But that could be a, could be a big game in terms of seeding um, if the Clippers are trying to chase them or catch the, the Lakers for the number one seed or number two seed or whatever it is. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I just, I really pray we get the Battle of L.A. at some point. I don't care if it's in the second round. I don't care if it's in the Western Conference final. I don't care when it happens. I we I just hope we get it so much because they've just been the talk of the town. All these other teams are great. Nuggets are good. Jazz are good. Rockets are good. Um, but I, 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 those are the two that all season long we've talked about the most, and they've lived up to it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the little hits and misses here and there. The Clippers haven't blown anyone away, but they keep adding pieces, just adding Reggie Jackson. And they're a damn good team. I mean, when they're, when they're all out there, if they're healthy, and that's a big question mark with Paul George, of course, but I hope, hope we get them. It would be weird if they play in the second round only because, you know, how the NBA takes days off, multiple days off in the first and second round in between games. Two LA teams that don't travel to have like two or three days off between games. 
That's going to anger me. <laughs> like, the Western Conference Finals, they play every other day usually. That's cool. But they're not going to be traveling there, and they're going to be chilling <laughs> in the second ch- round. Chilling. That's going to well, be Should make for a good series, I that guess. They'll be well rested. Let's hear from you guys out there. Hit us up on Twitter, at No Dunks Inc. Most intriguing post-All-Star Game storyline. Most interesting team that you'll be watching. And again, maybe it's not even a playoff team. Maybe it's the Young Hawks. Ka-ka! Because they were pretty fun on Thursday night. Trey Young. Going for 50 on Quavo night. Pointing at the floor where he was shooting from. Yes, sir. Hitting the deep, deep bombs down at the Fortress. Um, this was his career high for Trey Young. He hit eight three-pointers. Hit a ton of free throws. 18 of 19. And they won this game. That's the other part. This wasn't just a 50 and a loss. This was a, a, an impressive win for the, for the Young Hawks here. Coming back, scoring the final 10 points of the game to a sort of, sort of shock the Miami Heat. Uh, getting the 129-124 win, and then Trey Young taking to Twitter. Kept the receipts on Jimmy <laughs> Butler from that game prior to the season when Trey Young had sort of prematurely called game. Uh, and yeah. then the Heat came back to to win, and Jimmy jumped on Instagram and pointed that out. No, no, no. You can't see the future and all that. Well, Trey Young says, yes, I could. Yes, I could. They flipped around. <laughs> so I loved it. I mean, everything about this, but uh, he's now the fourth youngest player to ever score 50 in a game. LeBron did a three times Devin Booker and Brandon Jennings. He shook Iggy a couple of times. Oh, though, yeah. And, uh, made Iggy look like he'd been out of the game for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what a, what a great, uh, great win for the Hawks. If you are a Hawks fan and you look at some of these young players, you know, DeAndre Hunter, I thought, was very good. Huerta, again, was fantastic. I just love saying his name. And I don't think it's going to happen, but Jeff Teague would be great in that backup role, I think, for Trey Young for another couple of seasons. He's a free agent this season. I, I just don't think the Hawks bring him back. But I think that's a that's a good stabling balance to have there because Trey went out there and he was getting his buckets. And, again, efficient. 12 for 25 from the floor, 8 for 15 from downtown. Like, He's not just out there just firing away. He's mixing up his game. And defenders are finding it hard to stay in front of him because he's got that herky-jerky little move where he gets inside. He's got the Tony Parker almost floater going as well. So, you know, he's... And you have to play him so far oh, out yeah. because he's so comfortable six or seven feet behind the line. Yeah. yeah. It makes it more difficult. Um, so, you know, I, I just thought that, uh, you know, Cam Reddish as well, another young player doing well. So there's, they've got some really nice pieces here. Atlanta, you know, if they can all... It really is. I was like, I wasn't joking. Like, they're sort of an interesting team to watch for the final couple of weeks in, if with the hopes of moving forward to next year. Like, because Trey Young's Trey Young. We already know that now. Like, mm-hmm. I can go for 50 on any given night. But you said DeAndre Hunter hit the game-tying three in this one. That was big. And then Cam Reddish with that steal and the score to put them up. I mean, and those guys both had pretty good games. You know, yep. it was like 17, 18 points. That, that's what's so important here, to have the, one, two of those guys look like a legit you know not a star but like just a really sound you know wing guy that can give you some defense and score on the other end that would just be huge for the Hawks going forward with then Collins and Trey Young at the start of next season and you could actually say yeah they should be a playoff team yeah Cam, Cam Reddish is the the most intriguing one to me because the Hawks keep losing on the defensive end that's where they lose but Cam Reddish is starting to get the Kawhi Leonard highlights where he just rips guys and goes the other way. It's happened a few times now. He's he's a big, big body, and that's the type of guy you would need around Trey Young if you're going to win. Just those right. those type of gritty guys that are going to play D because you know Trey's not going to do that. You need some some tough dudes. And Cam Reddish came over in that trade essentially. You know the draft pick for Luka Doncic along with Trey Young. Starting to look good. It's starting to look like a good trade because Cam Reddish. This is his, you know, this is his first season. So they're they're extremely young. John Hunter also his first season. 
Uh, it's taken a bit, but Cam Reddish, again, it's fun to watch those last few minutes because he is uh, he's ready to, to get down and dirty, and there's just not a lot of guys on, on the Hawks that do that. He gets in that squat, gets in that athletic stance, rips those long arms out and occasionally he'll uh, he'll get a nice rip and uh those are fun to watch because they're they're like Kawhi like you can't leave the ball close to him right now what do you think Quavo does with the Trey Young jersey does he just frame it and put it up in his mansion sure does he you know I don't he know he probably has multiple mansions so he probably yeah, has I multiple guess, jerseys yeah. there's always a spot I guess so I mean uh Trey Young first Hawks player with a 50 point game since 2001 who did it Sharif Sharif wow. Abdurrahim did it yeah I don't remember that game at all. I gotta be honest. What about Lang Whitaker does. Yeah. Something tells me he does. Something <laughs> yeah. I've noticed between the Trailblazers and the Hawks, they've got the guys who shoot from quote unquote the logos in Lillard and Trey Young. Their logos are getting bigger. Mm. These things are ginormous. We'll see what Lillard is like next season when they don't have the 50th anniversary of the Blazers, because that 5-0 is huge. And that Hawk last night is massive. It's, it's massive. like Trey Young is hitting shots from the logo, but he's like three feet into the logo. Yeah. I think just go even bigger. Ah, <laughs> who's got the smallest logo? I wonder. Now that would be impressive. Yeah, Gotta fly, if you can hit from that logo, it's good. I wonder. Who but it. if you're hitting from like the Houston Rockets, remember they had that old court that had like an entire spaceship yeah. taking off. Like that's that would not be a logo shot. No. That's like a one yeah. foot outside the three point line. Yeah, but I like it. A little innovation in floor design. Make your logos huge and your players look more impressive. Yeah, no doubt. So. A couple other things. I mean, we talked about this game. Joel Embiid, 39 points, 16 boards. Sixers uh, extended their dominance at home. They got the 112-104 overtime victory over the Nets. Weird game. Yeah. Very weird game. <laughs> uh, many, many runs. A lot of Indian food was had before the start of this game because Philadelphia was up 22-6, to and then the Nets followed with a 44-8 to run. But then... It was only a 10-point game at halftime because the, the Sixers had closed that out with a 12-2 run, and then things kept, got a little more closer, stayed a little more closer in the second half. But what a weird game. But, you know, Embiid was a monster and hit a bunch of clutch free throws uh, to get it done and had that big block on Wilson Chandler, mm-hmm. too. Uh, it was a weird sort of play call, and I think Dinwiddie probably should have shot the floater. Yeah. Um, but Embiid, you know, played both guys. He sort of challenged Dinwiddie enough to make him think about it, passed to Wilson Chandler in the dunker spot, and... Just blocked his ass. And a couple of times he just said to Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, yeah. give me the ball. I'm going up, I'm getting fouled, I'm going to dunk. I'm just taking over this game as he should. And you see more of that when he's more engaged. He had that gorgeous Euro step, by the way, too. Haven't seen one of those from him for a while. Mm-hmm. And he did a little the little shimmy afterwards. The, the uh, bench got into it. And that's Joel Embiid having fun. So when he does flex his muscles, he, he really does and uh, has the potential to just take over a game like that because you, you mentioned there you know how you can be up 16 but down 20 in the same half is uh, is very very well, weird well because for as often as Embiid was dominating DeAndre Jordan he was also just not caring about him at all I mean how many alley-oops did DeAndre Jordan yeah. catch last night it was ridiculous because uh, that's the thing is Embiid when he's 100% locked in he's maybe the best defender in the game at least the best rim guy up there with Rudy Gobert and then there are other times where He's just standing. He's just standing in the lane, and you're getting oops to DeAndre Jordan time and time again, and they're running a DeAndre Jordan highlight package when I'm sure he hasn't had one during this entire season. The Sixers just have a way of making things look ugly, and it happens every single game, both during the game and from game to game to game. I don't know, though. Maybe Sixers fans should just continue booing because 
Yeah. The Sixers are now two and zero in games that they've been booed at home. <laughs> yeah, they had. Oh, also, they have the best home record in the league. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I just honestly don't get why people are so disappointed with this team. They're thirty-five wins. They've got a better record right now than the Heat. But we talk about the Heat like they're one of the greatest successes of the NBA season. Yeah, but I mean that was a big part of that is of course expectations. That's, Every, that's ev- the, no, that's a hundred percent expectations. Everybody thought the Sixers would be either the number one team in the East or at the very least the second best team in the East. Everybody had that. It was Bucks, Sixers, Sixers, Bucks. And then yeah, the Heat, more of a surprise. Some people saying, not even thinking they're maybe even a playoff team, other like maybe just getting in. And you're right, they they've sort of shocked everybody and have played really, really well. Um, especially with some of these like no name guys and in Nunn and Duncan Robinson and all that, and even Bam coming on to the next level. But no, you're right. It's a, it's weird. Alex Burks, huge oh, in, yeah. in the in overtime. Shake Milton hitting some big buckets in overtime. But you're nothing is easy with this team, with the Sixers. Just it's always you're just holding on for dear life. Oh, man, it would be weird to be a Sixers uh, fan this season. It obviously is because they don't know whether to boo or cheer these guys. Or are they good? Are they going to the finals? Are they going to lose in the first round? Are we firing our coach? We oh, we got too many bigs here. What, we can't play our two superstars. Wow, it is just it's a mess. But at times it works, and there's still enough there where you can convince yourself, oh yeah, they could they could go all the way to the end. But I did that with the Celtics last year too, with Kyrie, and I know it's different. But I remember, like, I took them in the playoff series, and I was like, yeah, they'll get it together. When they're all there, they'll be fine. And I guess it's just not easy that sometimes. Like, you need – there has to be that cohesion, or it helps yeah. at least. And this Sixers team definitely doesn't have the cohesion. They just get by on talent, yeah. and they're that good. Right. And uh, that's why they're bad on the road and, and amazing at home. They just somehow fight through it, and they're going to be another 51 team. It's just disappointing when you see year in and year out, there were, what, 51 wins last year, 52 wins the year before, and they're going to be in the same ballpark uh, this year. But uh, Joel Embiid's going to be energized in the playoffs, like you're talking about Trey, DeAndre Jordan, dunk fest. Joel Embiid needs something to motivate him. It's it's Shaq-like. He'll be ready in the playoffs, He'll be, and that's why I think they are – the most legitimate team to to knock off the Bucks because they match up best with with Giannis rolling down the lane and Joel Embiid's big body there. That's it's a tough matchup for Giannis. I know it's crazy to say the MVP's got a tough matchup, but it's not easy. Uh, that's where he gets his points. So uh, and and engage Joel Embiid if he is a hundred percent healthy, which is a huge question mark as he wasn't last year in the playoffs. Um, will be tough for I think the Bucks if they meet in the second round. But that's the crazy thing about these uh, Sixers. Are they going to get there? Right. Are they going to play? Right. Buck Sixers on Saturday, actually. We get a, a little preview there. But uh, just back ABC, to ABC, I assume? I yes, assume. it is. Uh, Alec Burks, uh, he gave that last night, that performance where it's like, he's going to be a steal for the Sixers, you know, because he just came out and he looked so fit already into that role, into that team. It, w- it was incredible just how comfortable he looked. So uh, if he does, if he is the player that we've seen over years gone by who's who's shown us that, it is going to be a great thing for yeah. the Sixers, but he could also just be someone who gets uh, you know, stuck to the bench at some point as well because he's very inconsistent. Yeah, Or shoots an air ball with one minute left. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that was a, <laughs> a wide-open shot. Yeah. Oh, there were air balls being shot. There were uh, passes being thrown off other guys' faces. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a wide, I'm telling you, like from possession to possession with this team is crazy. It was crazy. The Sixers had two fast breaks there at the last minute and that pass off Matisse Thybul's face. Yeah. That was, that was a three-on-one break? 
I'm, I, I tweeted, I'm surprised the internet didn't break after that. Like, yeah, no get, one gave a crap about Thibault taking the ball to a face. Yeah, I think it's a part of it was like the Sixers, uh, they kept the ball on the possession. They did. Yeah. And Bede got fouled. Yeah. So maybe it but, took uh, away from it, it a little it bit. It was a real yakety sacks moment. That For sure. Uh, well, the Nets GM Sean Marks announced yesterday that Kyrie Irving will undergo season-ending surgery on his right shoulder. Kyrie had visited a specialist over the past few days before making the decision. He missed 26 games over the span of nearly two months with that right shoulder impingement before eventually returning in, in mid-January following the cortisone shot. But uh, that's it. We predicted this on yesterday's podcast. It, we're like, it, this is likely going to happen. If, he, if he's not playing now and they're saying indefinitely, why wouldn't they just shut him down for the season and undergo the surgery? And that's what's happening here. Um, but there's a, you know, it was interesting. I was listening to Ben Golliver on the Open Globe, um, Open Floor, excuse me, podcast, like railing on the Nets for this. Like the idea that maybe would the Nets even take a mulligan on their offseason with the buddy ball hmm. of, yeah, you got Kevin Durant, but you had to get Kyrie and you had to get DeAndre Jordan if you consider it a package deal, which everyone sort of assumes mm. it was. Um, but just ripping on this gap here for the Nets and how poor Kyrie has played or the team's success when he's out there, 8-12 and 12 when he did play in those 20 games, and just like how it's been such a wasted season here. I, I was a little taken aback how aggressive Gulliver was coming at it, um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Like, Are you like, yeah, this was like, what a bummer of a season, complete waste, or are you more like, whoa, whoa, just what's it really matter? It's going to be a completely different team when KD's there. Uh, and, yeah, you would have liked to see Kyrie sort of try and get some uh, chemistry going with a Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert or those guys, Jared Allen, but let's not overreact. Where do you sort of fall in this with the Nets' weird season? I think they would rather have had Kyrie Irving sit out the entire year just like Kevin Durant and not go through this up and down and see – even the the twenty whatever games he's played, yeah. I don't think it's really benefited their chemistry at all and their cohesion. Usually, you'd say, "Yeah, it's good for him to get out there and play with the guys he's going to play with next year." It, it was a failure. I, I agree with Ben Gulliver's Mulligan. It should be a segment on his show, Gulliver's Mulligan. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good segment. Uh, I I don't. I it, it was a it was a disappointing year for sure. It's just I think Kyrie doesn't like being not having a number one guy beside him. It's you just need I don't know the the only times he succeeded is having LeBron beside him, and he hasn't been able to be a number one guy. And it was it was a kind of a, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth watching this team all year. I just thought they'd be far better. They had to do it still. I think that yeah, if you get a chance to get Durant and Kyrie Irving, even if the price is DeAndre Jordan, do it. Right. I mean, he's an upgrade. There's, there's no question there's an upgrade in talent there. Uh, even though what the, what the Nets showed us last year was a real team, they were a cohesive unit. But what was the ceiling for that team? Second round of the playoffs? You know, they weren't a contender. I know, they were just more enjoyable. You're right. No, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you do it. They, they yeah. were just... Uh... With Kevin Durant coming back next season, assuming he's at full health and assuming Kyrie's at health, they are instantly vaulted into, you know, contender uh, status yeah you know so yes you have to do it but it certainly hasn't worked out and, and the issues surrounding Kyrie are whether or not he 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 brings that baggage into the locker room and I think we've seen some of that this season I, I think guys like Din Witty and even Karis Levert to a degree have sort of said you know man I used to get all those shots last year and now Kyrie comes in and he gets them all so that's an issue for Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks going forward but again I'd rather have that talent than the talent they had last season because I just feel they're more likely to be a, a contender. And DeAndre Jordan, I mean, how good was he anyway? 
like good. But uh, if that's what it took them to, for the Nets to get the other two guys, do it. But I don't think the like Dinwiddie or all the you know those guys who lost some shots are to blame at all in this. They were played no, the good I, soldiers and yeah. were never. Upset. But you can understand though why these guys, you know, probably feel like man, we, we're actually we've actually regressed from where we were last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, the cohesion's yeah. poopy. You know, and and it's like, you know, when Kyrie comes in signing that massive contract. The coach is obviously going to be like, we're going through this guy first. So you guys have to fall in line. And, uh, and Dinwiddie, I mean, he's been great this season. He really has. And he hit, a, he hit a, a clutch shot late last night and missed another one. But I love the way that the way this guy plays and he believes in himself. So, you know, if, if you can get someone like a Dinwiddie coming off the bench, perhaps behind Kyrie and performing to this level, then again, that just makes the Nets even a, a better team. Yeah, the Nets sold 84% of tickets last year, 92% this year. That's really all that matters because the season didn't matter. They made it to the playoffs regardless. I mean, there's still a chance that they could fall out. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. Uh, Karis LeVert missing 25 games hurt I, as well for, for the team's record this season. But it, basically you're trading uh, D'Angelo Russell, who had an all-star season in 2018-19, for 20 games of Kyrie Irving. Of course, your team's going to be worse, but more people came to the games, and I'm sure that's what matters because next season you're getting your real best player back. Hopefully he's not super diminished coming off yeah. an injury. And hopefully Kyrie Irving is able to get completely healthy because if you're able to say, we got Kyrie Irving, we got Kevin Durant, we've got some decent support guys, that's going to get – people to sign on those exceptions and veteran minimums so yeah i mean it's a bummer but to have kyrie irving barely play this season to have kevin durant not play to have kyrie irving when he does come back kind of trash the team not good certainly not good but you're going to forget about it when you see number seven walk on the court next season yeah i mean it's uh i i hope he's uh can play 90 95 percent um to his prior you know, skill level. I'm talking about Durant here before the injury, because it's not a given. I mean, he's an older guy too. He's not a young buck. I mean, you got to hope um, that taking the whole year off and not rushing him back at all. And yeah, he looks great in the videos mm-hmm. you're seeing of him splashing threes. Uh, you hope he's near that MVP level, but it's there. That MVP is going to be there for the taking, I think, with uh, the Nets having a really you know an underwhelming season here. And yes, a part of it is the Kyrie injury and the Lavert injury. But if they come back, if if KD's plugged in here and suddenly they're the you know top one of the top two teams in the in the East, then he's going to warrant and rightfully so a ton of MVP consideration again. But I do wonder with the four guys, their four main guys, and I'm talking KD, Kyrie, Dinwiddie, and Lavert. Do you have to move one of those last two guys? I mean, are there enough? Is there enough shots and the way they all play um, for the four of them to to work? I'm not convinced. You know, Dinwiddie's two years. He's about 24 million. He's got the player option in 2021-22, and then Lavert is about to start his three-year, like 50 million dollar plus extension next season. A lot of money when you add then KD and Kyrie. I, I just don't know. Maybe they look to move one of those two guys, mm, and maybe. you could get something back probably to help yeah, your team. Yeah, I'm, I immediately think of the comparison with the uh, the Warriors, and there was enough ball to go around for Clay, Steph, and Durant. And they didn't really have a fourth guy who needed shots. So maybe the comparison is apt. Like, yeah, you know, I, I get Dinwiddie and Levert probably need shots. Um, they're also need the, the ball. Draymond Green they isn't. need the ball. Yeah. yeah, that's maybe the difference. And, and that's yeah. the thing. They're going to probably lose Joe Harris anyway, which, you know, again, a shooter doesn't need oh. the ball in his hands. Kyrie Irving didn't name him. So, yeah, he's probably <laughs> gone. <laughs> but that, that's the thing. When you're talking about fit, yeah, I, I don't think there's enough for all of those guys to get the ball. So if they play with Jared Allen, he doesn't need it. So, yeah, no. but yeah, you keep your best players, I guess. 
is what you probably do with the Nets, and those are your best players. So that's it, that's an interesting uh, chemistry experiment. And, and also just from a, a media standpoint, they're going to be the villains, I think, next year. Mm. You know, Kyrie's talked a lot in the media. Kevin Durant has obviously talked in the past, and maybe it's the feelings – the anti-Kevin Durant feelings have subsided because he hasn't been around for a while, but he still has a burner account, as he said. <laughs> uh, it's going to uh, it's going to happen, I think. I think, and we need these villains too. You know, be great. they're going to talk, and maybe maybe because they're winning, they won't talk to the media, and maybe they'll be a bit more of a, a darling team. But I want them to be villains. That'd be fun. All right, let's get to worst of the week, ladies and gentlemen. The worst of the week. Right, we're going to pick Worst of the Week a little differently today. Okay. I surveyed the people out there on Twitter for Worst of the Week. They gave me some options, and I'll present them to you. You guys tell me which one should win. All right, let's, uh, let's have a little debate table here. First one, a lot of tweeters suggested the dunk contest judges. Mm-hmm. The wrong guy won, they say. I'll say this before you guys mention <laughs> uh, your opinions about Aaron Gordon winning over Derek Jones Jr. The judges gave us the judges gave us more dunks. Period. It's a good point. Isn't that a win for all of us? Whether or not it's the Russian judge out there and blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> we got more dunks from a couple of the best dunkers in the NBA, a couple yep. of the best dunkers in the world. I think we're all winners. I understand people are mad that Aaron Gordon didn't get a trophy. I understand yeah, that. Yeah. I totally understand that. I don't think he should have won, uh, which I know is a little crazy to say for a guy who had five straight 50-point dunks, but the first one of the second round, the final round, was not a 50 IMO, and therefore <laughs> Derek Jones should have won. But I understand at the end of it, after you're looking back, Aaron Gordon had the better finish, so everybody up in arms, whoa, that guy just won that thing. Technically, he shouldn't if you want to get technical, but who gives a crap other than Aaron Gordon? He probably gives a crap. <laughs> I think what we have learned from this, we do need to change the scoring for the judges. I mean, like, look, uh, was Wade being sneaky? Did they oh, agree yeah. upon, uh, hey, let's tie again? You said you want, we got more dunks? Well, we could have gotten even more dunks, potentially. Yeah, a, a lot of but, other people just want to give Dwayne Wade yeah, worse of the week. Right, because, of course, uh, he's got a relationship with Derek Jones Jr., <laughs> and he did the whole thing. What? The relationship with Derek Jones Jr., because they played together. Yeah. Well, because a more, if, more relationship with the franchise. He's the face well, of the Miami Heat but, franchise. But as if, as if that played into it. You don't think no, so at all? Not at all. He's going, oh, that's my former teammate there. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him an extra little bonus here. I don't think at all. Wow. I'm not sure I agree with that because he seemed to be, uh, again, sort of laughing uh, to himself saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, you want me to give the 10 or the 9? Okay, you guys give the 9. Okay, I'll give the 10. And then goes, mm, nope, 9. Hey, Derek Jones Jr. won. Bye. Yeah, I don't know, Lee. I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's <laughs> it's uh, still funny. Um, He'll admit it in the summer. Yeah, probably. maybe. <laughs> but but what I was gonna say is like we need to change. The, like it's we need to get more specific either. So it either has to be out of a hundred, or you got to get into like the points. You know, like that was uh, a forty nine point eight or a forty nine. Like we do. It's got to be a. There has to be a little uh, more variance between your scores, because once you give the fifty then it's tough to go back from a 50 on a dunk that's just a sure. equivalent or yeah. even, you know, even maybe even a little. It's just difficult. So that's what happens in these things all the time. I think if you get a little more specific with the uh, scoring system, might help it a little bit. 
And clearly we're going to need some sort of tiebreaker format here because... Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, people, it's either you change the scoring and actually let them give one through ten because I think you, like, even if you miss, you're going to get a 30, right? Like, if yeah. you miss your dunk, you got to get sixes from everybody. I'm sorry, you should get a five. Yeah. Once yeah. from every single person if you miss every single one of your dunks. Uh, but we're going to have more ties, which means we need to have something set up here because, like you're saying, Tass, I thought Derek Jones Jr. Wa- had the best dunk of the night, no doubt, off the glass, over Chuck, between the legs. I thought that was the dunk of the night. But in the final round, I preferred Taco to a windmill from inside the free throw line. But yeah. So you see the last dunk and you're like, well, I guess Aaron Gordon should have won. But right. I like Derek Jones Jr. For, more for the rest of the night. It's, it's tough to say. We need... We need more rules for the dunk contest. Oh, my goodness. Oh, nice. Somebody smack me in the face that for is the even word. saying this out loud. Though some people have also said, get rid of, like, is it out of 50? Get rid of the scoring system completely. And when the guys are going head-to-head in a, in a dunk-off, when it's just one versus one, that you actually – and it's tough to wrap your head around it at first, but it does make sense. Let Aaron Gordon dunk. Then let Derek Jones Jr. dunk. See the dunk. See the two dunks the guys throw down. And then – Vote on which one was better. Mm. Now, okay, it's like you you lose the like, oh, let's go see whether it was a 50. And like, I guess that is fun. But it is maybe a smarter way to d- go about it. Like, yeah. then it's just literally like, which dunk did you think was For cooler? a tiebreaker, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that maybe should be something they try. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, it could work. Um, probably better than this. But at least we got, you know, people are talking about the dunk <laughs> contest. At the very least, that's a good thing. And if there was one more change I would make to scoring, I don't want to see electronic scoring. I want to see people holding up signs. Mm. That was great back in the day. You'd look up in the crowd and everybody's got their sprite signs. You know, people are making a hundred or a million out of it, adding all the zeros. It's just not, it doesn't have the same pop when you just see it show up there on the table. Yeah. I think maybe a part of that too is they don't like, uh, you know, they don't want Wade to look at what Candace has and then they do like the flipping because they used to do that at times back in the day. Yeah. Wade just verbalized it instead. Yeah, right. (laughs) He's like, what are you going to do, Candace? Uh, I'll help out my guy. Yeah. Anyway, um, don't want to harp too much on the dunk contest, but Ark Jans sent this one in. The fact that we won't see Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest again. He is amazing. Aaron Gordon is amazing. You said uh, Skeets on Sunday's podcast when we were in Chicago. Probably the best loser or the best guy who never won, I should say, oh, in the I, dunk contest. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. Not even debatable. He's amazing. I, I mean, because like – even Neek did win yeah. dunk contest too. Yeah, yeah he yeah. had ones where maybe he probably should have won, but an overall when you look at their whole dunk contest like history, it's not even close. Aaron Gordon is the best dunker to never win a dunk. Uh, he's only twenty four. I bet they could entice him to come nah. back. And I, I ten years from now? <laughs> maybe yeah, Paul yeah. Dwight, why yeah. not? Yeah. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I mean he put his time in. Yeah, no, he did. He did an incredible job. And and did he basically went in four. <laughs> because he, uh, if not more, because of all the dunk offs he had to do. Mm. So yeah, I can't can't knock him for saying he's done. Okay, next one. We'll get off the dunk contest here. This one regarding the Cavs. Demetloaf tweeted, "That's his name. Uh, my favorite team's coach had enough and quit after 54 games. That's a pretty good way to put it. When, yeah. you, when you put it that way, a coach walked away from millions and millions of dollars, which are guaranteed to him. That just doesn't happen in sports." A guy has to be fired to walk away from that many millions of dollars. That's a pretty insane situation mm. that they have going on in Cleveland for a guy to walk away from that much money. So Demet Loaf, very succinct right there. Good mm. way. Uh, next one, H.T. Neal tweeted, Anthony Davis for not missing the free throw on purpose. <laughs> uh, 
on purpose and winning the all-star game during live play back yourself does we, that just mean like back yeah, yourself like a, bet on yourself type thing is that what back yourself means i'm guessing yeah like okay, miss it just, so you can win in regulation I, <laughs> yeah i know what that's what he mean but yeah. i'm saying the term back yourself yeah, what back is yourself, that yeah back like yourself, we okay. we in attendance at the all-star game uh you know, we were, when he was going to the line, we were debating, all of us. We were like, he's going to miss him. Is he going to throw it, like, just to make this more <laughs> exciting? And then he missed the first one, and then we were all like, oh, yeah, damn, he's going to do this. Like, okay, cool. And then just splashes the second one. He didn't mean to miss the first one, I guess. Um, just went a little long on it. But, That's yeah. the thing. Because he missed that first one, he's like, I can't miss both. People will call me a joker, so I have to knock in the second one. <laughs> he had to. He had I to. I guess so, yeah. No, there's no way he could have... Who would miss two free throws? You can't do that. So then what? They just hack all the time? Nah, I mean, he just. I guess the idea is, okay, he misses the free throw. and Yeah, just, well, so, like, Let's finish someone it can floor. hit a jumper. I mean, you, like, that can happen. Yeah. They're not going to be hacking away from the ball, I guess. Maybe, I guess you could do that, too, but you would like to think they wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, can't right. give him a, I can't give him a worst of the week for yeah. getting a free throw to win the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah. I can't go that far. Sorry, H.T. Neal. Yeah. You're not taking this one home. Yeah. Uh, Blageldi tweeted the skills challenge he suggested bringing back the shooting stars which is i know we go over it every year but the skills challenge just yeah yeah it's a big man yeah maybe just alternate it have like three contests like just every other year just to like sort of get you intrigued a tiny bit do you know what i mean like sure one year do the skills and the next year do shooting stars and the next year do shooting stars is better shooting stars is better no matter what okay yeah it's it is it's like it's not much better but it is better it is (laughs) better i agree it's like do we ever go back and think of one shoot or one uh, skills challenge performance that was good no no, we shooting don't. stars, we, we yeah, they got the half court. Chris Bosch, Chris Bosch yeah. made the shooting Chris, stars awesome. The half court because he loved it, it. And, yeah. and he won all the time, and he hit all these half court shots. Yeah, yeah, okay. Bring yeah. back shooting stars. Look, I'm on board. Yeah, it's oh. tough. It's tough to find a third event. I agree. Maybe there's if you get creative, maybe you rotate, do a little carousel of events. Like honestly, would it not be fun to watch NBA players play bump from the three point oh, line? Bump's amazing. Like it would, be, it would be fun. Uh, now I don't know if would it be an event that could last year after year after year? Maybe not. But I know that first year I'd be like, oh, okay, sure, I'll take it. We're gonna play bump here. This could be hilarious. Well, that's the weird thing is that there have been so many changes to all the events, but the skills challenge has been around for almost twenty years, and the only change they ever really made was well, we'll get some tall guys into because now NBA players everybody can do stuff out yeah. on the court. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the skills challenge. You know, it it can be funny when you see a guy like whip three passes off the thing. And the only literal highlight I remember is a Derrick Rose reverse dunk, and that was ten years ago mm-hmm. at this point. So I don't know. I I don't think I would be sad if it went mm-hmm. away. But if they took it away and then they brought it back, I'd be like, oh, nice, the yeah, skills challenge. Right, nice right. to see you again, buddy. <laughs> Twenty years it's been around doesn't feel like two thousand two. Wow. Holy. Um, <laughs> who won it? Who won the inaugural skills? Jason Kidd? <laughs> that's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, my God. This guy's a historian. Yeah, oh, my God. That's <laughs> I'm just embarrassed myself knowing that. Who's got the fastest skills challenge run of all time? Tony Parker. In a win. Yeah, In a win. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, Tony Parker. Very slow oh, win. he was a slow win. Okay, that's nice. Dwayne Wade? No, not bad. He's uh, he's up there. He won, he won two. Yeah. Uh, fastest uh, is Darren Williams. Ah. The guy that I guess you would expect to be cooking through no, there. No, no. It's slow and steady, though, in the skills. Uh, you got to pull challenge. it like a turtle. Yeah, that's right. The good thing is about the skills challenge is that 
you're okay missing it if you're trying to get somewhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have that appetizer that yeah. isn't the three-point contest. If they start with the three-point contest. No, you almost need good. an event for people on Saturday night to start trickling into the arena. Yeah. They're grabbing their drinks. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of works in that <laughs> regard. You don't need to see it. Okay, two more options here. Blo- Ross Blovelt and Corden Gregory tweeted this in. Yahoo Sports for tweeting a video to start a petition to get next year's All-Star game out of Indiana. This is the tweet. Indianapolis, the home of Hungry Hoosiers' famous pork tenderloin sandwich, a zoo, a 2021 All-Star game. Adam Silver, what the entire f***? So after clapback, they deleted the tweet two hours after posting it. Oh, that's the worst part of this whole story. That's the worst part. Why did they delete it? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the NBA called up their partner there in Yahoo Sports and said, Take that down. That's what I would guess. Because it's a joke. Oh, it was a joke. Yeah, but, but it didn't, yeah. I, it didn't hit? No. And I, I guess it not. had an, also an accompanying video. Yeah, which was, yeah. Which I, I watched it. I mean, it was it's uh, LeJethro um, Jenkins, oh, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. It's him just talking to the camera and just saying all of that, basically what he said in the tweet of like, why no one wants it to go to, go to Indianapolis? Why are we doing it there? Let's sign the petition. That's all it was. It is a joke. Um, but people took it seriously enough. I and guess. nobody signed the petition. Yeah, there's like ten signatures. Ten signatures, and they deleted it. Softies. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna come with a joke that's a hot take like that, <laughs> stand by it. Yeah. And honestly, a pork tenderloin sandwich is delicious. You guys ever had a fried fried pork tenderloin? No. no. We're talking about three times the size of the bun that it's on. Wow. <laughs> Whole lot of breading. Yeah. That, yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm excited for that. I'm excited only to go to Indianapolis because I've never been there, and they do a ton of like big events, Super mm-hmm. Bowls and Final Fours, and like by all accounts, people are like it's actually a pretty good city for it. So I mean, I'm I'm excited to go. I didn't sign the petition. Sorry, <laughs> it's one of those cities but that's not hard to get around, right? So that's probably is uh, that it? Okay, yeah, I'm everybody right loves that. the convenience. Does everyone go around in their Indy cars. Everyone's <laughs> driving Indy cars. Yeah, yeah. open wheel quick. driving. Uh, the one time a year Lee Ellis eats meat. He's pumped yeah. for next February. <laughs> he eats meat. Yeah, man. Pequod's was uh, great. We, it lived up to its hype. Pequod's Pizza? Yeah, in Chicago. It only took eight hours to get to our table. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, we had to go in the morning, order it at breakfast, <laughs> come back and eat it for dinner. I need to but it was worth that. the wait. It was uh, It was, it was but she, it was an hour plus. Yeah, she warned us. Yeah, I thought she said an hour. No, she said an hour, hour to fifteen. Hour to fifteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it was definitely an hour it, of fifteen. Yeah, it took like <laughs> an hour and a half. One thirty. <laughs> yeah. The problem was that the appetizers took so long. Yeah. Well, if you're waiting an hour and a half for the pizza, <laughs> yeah. at least you know going into it. Yeah. Uh, but when that <laughs> when our first plate of fried food came out, it took a little long. We had yeah. to ask about that one. Okay. Would we have gone though? Would we have gone to Pequod's Pizza if we had known in advance that the pizza once we got there would take ninety minutes? I wonder. It's a good question. It's right? a good question. I've only ever waited like an hour yeah. for that long. Because um, it wasn't super busy either up there where we were. A lot of takeout. You saw the takeout yeah, there was a lot of, oh, was a lot of people, tables. A lot of pies were being made, yeah, Lee. Yeah. Just because they weren't sitting there eating I them. I know. We had a couple of bottles of wine, but, you know, it's hard to just sip on the wine when you don't have the pizza there to enjoy it, you know? Yeah, it's a tough life we live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last suggestion here from Dan Cohn. It has to be the makers of Malort. Uh, I mean, who bottles this stuff? That's what Dan Dan Cohn said. So, Malort, a uh, Chicago-based alcoholic beverage. 
that we had uh, in Chicago. So your options, the judges, the Cavs, skills challenge. Now you guys aren't picking the skills no. challenge. Uh, Yahoo Sports or the makers of Malort. Wow. Oh. <laughs> mm, wow. Which, yeah, tastes as good as it sounds. Malort. Well, I didn't try any Malort, so I'm not okay, voting for Okay, okay, you're not voting uh, for that. I would like to pick the Cavs, but they also didn't play yet. So that's mm. a tough one. They, might, they just lost they their coach. <laughs> they, oh. they just lost their angry old coach. Yahoo. Okay, Yahoo wins. Yeah. Okay. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> well, there were a lot of nominees for a, for a short week in the NBA yeah. on, on top of that. Not really basketball related, but uh, other than that Cleveland Cavalier. That's part of the fun. All right, let's fire the pun gun. It's pun gun time. Yeah. Uh, for the last few weeks, I've been trying to get this show up on YouTube. Uh, it's going pretty well. We got cameras and stuff, um, but I've been doing a lot of research on YouTube. And uh, I've been falling down some rabbit holes. So I'd like to hear some of your favorite NBA YouTube puns, like, oh I like Jakob Pertles. Oh, I dressed up as him for Halloween like once. Uh, wow. Whoa, whoa, it's whoa. Tough. It's tough. If you've got more, J.D., go, go. Damn, Troy Daniels. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, epic meal Tim Duncan. <laughs> Good. Nice, nice. That's good. Uh, Yoga with Jeff Adrian. <laughs> uh, Charlie Villanueva bit, bit my, my finger. finger. Oh. Uh, Hot Ones Dixon. Cobra Kyrie Irving. <laughs> wow. Nice. nice. Uh, Serge Chewbacca Lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's for you, Lee. Keyboard Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, that's, oh, that's a good one. Keyboard cat. cat. Do you remember Keyboard no, Cat? No, I don't think I know that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, playing know. a little thing, playing a little thing. Do, do, wow. do, 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 do. Uh, dramatic Chipmunk Monk. <laughs> Couldn't think of a Chipmunk. That's Actually, a... I thought it was a hamster, but it's definitely a Chipmunk. I also had Channing Friday by Rebecca Black. Oh. <laughs> and Don't Tass Me, Bro. Don't, don't tease me. <laughs> <laughs> these are great. These are great. We almost, nice. we almost needed some time in advance to, yeah. to craft some yeah. of those. I thought of it five minutes before the show. Oh, well, well you, you thought up a lot there. Yeah. During the first hour of this show. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do something. Uh, good stuff. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. All right. I hate to do this. Um, but tweet of the night goes to at Kane Pittman. Oh. Tweeted last night. The Philadelphia song they play at the end of a game they win is impossible not to sing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time I watch the Sixers, it just plays on repeat in my head for the next three days. <laughs> I am 100% on board with this tweet. It's, it happens to me all the time. Everybody. It's good. Yeah. Catchy. And it'll just it's a it's it'll just get stuck in your dome. <laughs> it is good. It is. It a is. Song. It's a great song. Are they still making theme songs for teams? Because I mean like this obviously know. sounds old. Yeah, it's good. Only be. the Bulls sounds like a million years old as well. I have a question with this. Because it obviously they were doing it probably back in the in I don't know, what, seventies or eighties. 
with the Sixers. And then, did it go away? I think so. It like looks it, like it. It had to have yeah. gone away. I don't ever remember hearing this during the Iverson years. Nah. Like, am I crazy? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they, I, I don't know. Didn't feel like they did. So when did they bring this bad boy back? And why was it gone at all? It's so good. It started in 1975. Uh, there you go. I'm just reading an article to see. Okay. Okay. This is good podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm trying to find... No, no, no. Read it in your head. It's better. Okay. Right? Okay. Be, this is a long write-up. I assume you're on the New York Times. I am on the New York Times, right. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. At Kane Pittman. You got excited when I said his Twitter handle. Yeah, he's Australian. He yeah. uh, follows the Bucks yeah. on his own dime. Does a great job. Incredible. I got one more here, too, if you just want me to throw it in. That's a good song. At J. Caspian Kang. Counting Crows. Not really sure I understand what happened that made them so popular. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. I know. That's, that's about right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they had that one other song. What was it called? Uh, I've been hanging around <laughs> this one? town on the corner. Hold on. I wanted to find a New York Times article on the Counting yeah. Crows. <laughs> and we could just go silent for a couple minutes uh, while he reads it. Around accidentally, here, accidentally yeah, accidentally in love. love. Shrek, yeah. Shrek, Shrek soundtrack. Oh. He's like a Shrek yeah. man in the video, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, there's your tweets of the night uh, from Kane and Jay. Pick'em results Thursday night. We're back at it. Rockets Warriors. Houston favored by ten and a half. Don't worry, they had that covered in the first three <laughs> minutes of this game. <laughs> this was a beatdown. Oh my. Uh, Tasson convinced me the Warriors were feeling good. Some positivity around the team. Draymond talking up Wiggins. You know, Curry's coming back soon. Kerr believes. That was weird. That, that was, was a uh, weird game. Yeah, so uh, Tass and I took the L. We took the Warriors to cover the big spread, but Trey and Lee got it right. So uh, I am uh, way behind here in February. I mean, look, I'm probably losing this month. I got to go on a crazy run. I'm 2-8. and eight. Everybody else, 6-4. and four. So there, you guys are all tied at the top of the February standings. In the pick'em, what's tonight's game? I need it. Oh, so so bad. Lots of games on the sched tonight. A couple on ESPN, but I went off the board, off the ESPN board anyway, because I saw this line. I thought it was a little nuts. The Lakers at home opening up their second half against the Grizzlies, and it's an 11 and a half point line. Wow, it's biggie. It's huge. Wow, 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 wow. What wow, could wow. be a first round matchup? One eight. So I'm looking forward to watching this game. That's why I picked it. I'm taking the Grizzlies. That's just, that's just a big line. Yeah, that's all. That's I think all. I'm with you. Um, I mean, I guess the worry is that the Lakers come out super focused. We're hitting the gas for the rest of the season. Yeah, see how I good mean, we can be. I mean, look at the what the Bucks just did. Exactly. Look at right. what the Rockets, Rockets just did. I know they're playing bad teams, but oh, that's a good point. It, it Memphis kinda... did play last night, yep. so I mean, maybe yeah. that's an advantage for the Lakers. But I will go Grizzlies as well. I like the Grizzlies, but I've been so bad this month. I'm going against even what I I think. So I'm I'm taking the Lakers. I'm covering that big spread uh, to, for hoping they win by 12 or more. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Lakers because the Grizzlies played in Sac Town last night. Okay, so two of us have the uh, Lakers to win by 12 or more. That's Lee and I and everybody else. The other guy, two guys have the Grizzlies to try and keep it close enough. All right, we're just about done here on a Friday, but before we go, why not some rapid fire fun? Oh yeah. This one from No Dunks fan Aaron in Buffalo. We all know the Pacers' TJ Warren was acquired from the Suns in exchange for cash and cash only. 
If I was him, I'd leave a $20 bill for the Suns front office every time we played. What's something you bring up every chance you get, JD, if you can hear me? I can hear you, but I don't really, I don't get it. What do you mean? Something that I just won't stop talking about? Yeah. Yeah, every every potential opening that you have to mention any t- one yeah. one thing you could for you have you even feel like forcing it every time <laughs> right. there's just a it's tiny a little opening yeah, yeah yeah it's um i've mentioned it once i think on this show before but constantly my wife i constantly text her about people idling their cars yes <laughs> i am insufferable about this it just to me it represents how soft our society is like people can't stand to be uncomfortable for literally one minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, a, uh, I must brave the elements from my car to my house or the store I'm going to, but I'll just leave my car running so I'm not uncomfortable for one second. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How are we going to conquer climate change if people can't do it? You know what I'm saying? McConaughey's new commercial where he's ice fishing out of the back of a Lincoln <laughs> Aviator or whatever the hell it's called. Come on, he's hard ass in that commercial. Oh my god, I can't believe that he agreed to do that commercial. <laughs> or what about the frazzled family? That commercial in there. Like, what are we gonna do? So, oh, if only we had a way to start the car without us being in it. Like, what? What is the point of that? Well, what about the two podcasters on a cold 41 degree day here in Atlanta that don't want to get <laughs> their buns all chilled? So one of the big ones goes out early, starts the car, then the smaller one comes in, gets yeah. in, and waits for the bigger one. Yeah. You guys start the car. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I pre-started the car this morning. <laughs> it was supposed to be cold out there. I, I only sat in it because I thought that at least somebody sitting in the car is better than it just running with nobody in it. Yeah, that takes guts, that takes guts to admit that, Trey. It drives me crazy. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. My wife and I have many a fights about the car <laughs> idling. She wants that air kicking. Yeah. <sighs> Trey. Have I told you guys about the benefits of drinking apple cider vinegar every day? <laughs> <laughs> I had Lee for a second. Lee was drinking apple cider vinegar before he switched to kombucha, but I have a feeling he's never coming back. But it's very good for you. Gotta get that probiotic in, and let me say, it's probably the best vinegar you can use in a salad dressing. Mm. That's a new one for you. Oh, there you mm. go. Interesting, huh. interesting. Especially if you get that uh, bacteria on your salad. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> it's good bacteria. It is. Healthy it is. bacteria. I do it about once a week. Then I get off it. Gross. And then I'm back on. <laughs> yeah. Skeets. Um, I bring up uh, three things very often, I would say. My love of Survivor, any chance I get. My love of the 1986 BMX movie, Rad. Mm. And the fact that I lived in Australia for a year. I think any time Australia comes up, I just like to mention that. Oh, yeah, I lived there for a year. And you went great picking, didn't you, for a while? I did. Well, that was actually in New Zealand. Oh, right. Did you know I lived oh. in New Zealand for oh, a couple right. months? <laughs> <laughs> I got to start bringing that up more often. But, yeah, those are my three answers. All right, next one here. This week, Sports Business Daily published a report which revealed that the NBA's local market TV ratings have taken a massive hit. The Athletics' Ethan Strauss then offered some suggestions on how the league can get those fans back watching their games. What's a show you stopped watching for a while but eventually returned to? J.D. Uh, the Americans. Hmm. Uh, if I'm being honest, I find it a little bit tedious. Kind of like basketball for me. 
<laughs> it's a little bit tedious. But when I'm watching it, I kind of love it. But at the same time, it's daunting to me. When I see it on the, the queue, I'm like, eh, do I want to sit through the Americans? It's that. So I keep going away and coming back and going away and coming back. It's a great show, though. Isn't it one of those shows that uh, has a little... It solves the mystery at the end of each show? No. Oh, okay. Uh, some of them are self-contained, but it, there is a through line. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I got off it after a couple episodes. Mm. Maybe I'll return. Trey. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to dip in for the final season. Yeah. It's supposed to be just good. skip some seasons? Yeah. Yeah. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I was like, the, maybe watch the first three and then... Uh, then lost track of it, but they said the final season is supposed to be pretty good. I've so, heard, yes. Yeah, so who knows? Uh, for me, though, it's Better Call Saul. When it came out, started watching it. This is great, but then I believe it came out during the basketball season, so just kind of lost track of it. Went back to it again, said, I gotta watch Better Call Saul. People are saying it's better than Breaking Bad. Started watching it. After a couple episodes, just gave it up and uh, never went back. Mm. But now people are saying, better than Breaking Bad. Might dip in, watch those first two episodes again. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I stopped watching that as well. And I really did like it. Yeah, it but was good. right. It was a timing issue. It was just a straight up, I can't consume this content. <laughs> so I gotta, Sorry, content. I got to get back to that as well. Uh, similar answers, actually, for me. You said Breaking Bad. That was one of them. Um, Nora and I started it. We're enjoying it enough, but then stopped and took some time off for a while. But then, of course, went back to it and then finished the whole series. And the same thing with The Wire. I remember starting The Wire. And it, The Wire takes a while to really get going and to really grab you, in, in my opinion at least. And I remember we watched first couple, and, and I'm putting this one on Nora because she was really like, nah, this is not interesting. I was a little more into it, and uh, I was like, I was like, we're doing it again. We get, you're, we're trying again. This was a long time ago now. Um, and then we, were, then we were off and running. It's incredible. Yeah, it's a slow burn. It's a slow, it's a slow, slow burn at the start, but well, once it gets you, you ain't giving it up. Great, great show. Still holds. Next one here. From No Dunks fan, Olivier. English isn't my first language, but I have to use it at work a lot. One of the words I had trouble spelling was actually the word regularly. Yes, that word that now gives Lee nightmares. What's funny is that I have no trouble writing it anymore. I just replay the moment Lee tried to say it, and now it writes itself. I don't no, know why. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you must be spelling it wrong then. Have a go there, Lee. <laughs> Regularly. <laughs> it's like there's an R, uh, U, a R. U in there. It's that other R. The American R. The Australian R is an R, not an R. <laughs> Did you ever use someone's mishap to your advantage? JD. Uh, back in college, uh, Skeets and Matteo and myself did a uh, practicum together, and we've shot a half-hour pilot called The Floor. And uh, it takes place at a university uh, in a residence. And we were getting exterior shots of, uh, <laughs> it was at Knox College. Uh, and it was the opening sort of establishing shot of the whole show. And while we were shooting it, a guy was l- leaving the building and he was carrying a massive crate of glasses. And he, <laughs> he just sort of tripped a little he didn't even trip he just it was like a misstep and he fell down the stairs and the glasses smashed they, they <laughs> smashed and it we were uh, we must have probably been a hundred yards away and the this noise was cacophonous <laughs> and it was the funniest shot that we took right like we, in the edit matt 
Matt and I had massive arguments of, uh, as to whether or not we should keep it in the show. It's the first shot. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it was so funny. Like, we watched it a hundred times, killing ourselves laughing. Uh, but karma got us because we ended up putting it in the show. And when we screened it, not, dead silence, yeah. nothing. Like, yeah. No one cared. No, there was no context for it. It was just this weird shot of a guy falling... And it was it was it was terrible. It's so. pretty quick too. It's very quick. It's very quick. But oh my god, just watching that guy fall <laughs> and the noise that the <laughs> that the uh, I felt bad. But uh, you know, we paid for it in the end. And you could hear it in the playback. Oh yeah, when people oh, watched yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, we were across oh. the street. Wow, uh, Trey. It was just a few weeks ago when Skeets came back from the lunchroom and said, "Hey." Went to the vending machine for the first time. Came back with a Reese's peanut butter cup. Nice. Took one bite. Ugh. Looks on the back. Yep. These are expired. <laughs> but not for me. <laughs> That's right. I went into the garbage. <laughs> Found that fuzzy white. Perfectly good Reese's no, peanut butter wasn't. cup. Oh, God. <laughs> it did not taste normal. <laughs> close, though. Uh, not close enough for my liking. Yeah, I was just Does a candy gar- bar go bad? Probably. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what, did that one have a little bit of a white yeah, sheen to yeah. the top of it? For sure. Did I get sick? Not really. No. <laughs> Not I'll do anything for a Reese's peanut butter cup. <laughs> I mean, a garbage cup. They're very cheap, too, here. I can't believe how cheap that vending machine is. It's like 75 cents. Wow. That's Probably haven't good. changed the prices since I they know. put the things in there. <laughs> That's the problem, I guess. Skeets. Uh, this is tough, but I went with this. Uh a couple years ago, my wife and I were traveling out west, and we went, uh, we were looking at a lot of the national parks we were driving around. We stayed at the Hotel Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge. Ooh, very, la. very, yeah. It's sort of like an upscale but rustic uh, retreat. Very nice place. It was the nicest place we stayed by far. Um, we checked into our room, and there was a bottle of champagne and a fruit and cheese platter, and there was a card, like, welcoming back a guy named, like, Bob Thompson or something like that. But it was our room, and we were like, okay, someone screwed up here, probably, of course, the hotel. What do we do? Do we, like, dip into this bottle of champagne and all the food here? Uh, so we did call. We called and said, hey, th- we got a card saying, welcome back, Bob, and all this food and drink. Like, there's probably a mistake here like you've either put us in the wrong room or whatever you put this stuff in the wrong room and they were appreciative of us uh calling and they said yeah have at it keep it Uh yeah so we were like all right (laughs) that's all bob would want yeah i was already half chugging the bottle good 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 call um that is what bob would want and he comes back all the time he's probably tired of the cheese platter by this point (laughs) but that's uh, a little mishap from the hotel i guess there or maybe bob himself Bab. It was delicious. And that's Rapid Fire. That's Rapid Fire. That's another classic edition of The Drop. Guys, thanks so much for subscribing and downloading the show. Tell your friends about it. Leave us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Helps us out in terms of rankings. Might have a special bonus podcast for you this weekend. Yeah, come on. Just say it. It's look, coming. It's oh, coming. I, look. I have never been more excited to do oh, a show. Wow. Never oh, in wow. the history of the show. I'm going to say it. I hope <laughs> we don't jinx it because I just don't want something to go wrong where you can't show up, but let's throw it out there to the universe. Yeah. JD, Trey, and myself are going to be interviewing Survivor winner Wendell Holland later today here Woo-hoo! in the No Dunks oh, office. Yeah. Uh, are we going to have a lot of basketball questions for him? No, probably not. <laughs> 
Are we going to build a fire in here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we are. Um but yeah, we'll talk to uh he is a he is a basketball fan. Uh he says he doesn't keep up with the NBA all that often. <laughs> but it's he okay, hopes. Wendell. <laughs> and look, we're just going to talk about Survivor anyway. We're going to geek out with him, so it'll be a little bonus podcast. We'll get it up on the weekend if you're a Survivor fan, or even if you're not. Download and tune in and listen to it. I'm very, yeah, we're very, very excited. And, and I yeah. mean, now's a good time to get in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're getting, he's on the show. Hell yeah. He owns a uh, furniture company That's as right. well. That's right. He was a lawyer. Guys talk furniture? Well, okay, he was well, a lawyer, and he well. quit his job to, uh, to, to make furniture and then got on Survivor. Then he won that, and now he's on Winners at War here as one of the returning winners. Uh, and he's battling it out right now. So we're going to try and also find out if he wins the second time. He won't be able, he won't be able to tell <laughs> We're getting that. all the scoops. Yeah, so uh, keep your eye uh, and ears out for that podcast this weekend, uh, one-on-one with Wendell Holland, Survivor winner Wendell Holland. Otherwise, talk to you guys on Monday. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, please leave a review of No Dunks wherever you listen. Bob would want it that way. <laughs> Embrace the weekend, people. You could stay.